So, uh, man, first off, thank you, Pastor Eric, for allowing me to be here this morning. You guys, I, I share this with first service, but there is something very special happening here. Like the presence of God is just moving so, so thick. And I'm just honored to be here, honestly. I remember last time I came here a few months ago, I went back and my father, who was the senior pastor where we're at, was asking me how it went. And I just kept telling him about how amazing you were. And he's like, didn't you preach? I was like, yeah, yeah, but you, you should have seen like what they were doing and how they were serving and how they love their community. And so what you're doing here in your church is actually affecting your city in a very real way because we felt it as we drove in. But not only that, it's impacting other communities as well because you guys left a mark on, on my heart and my wife's. And as soon as we got back to Kingfisher, we gathered together all of our small group captains, totaling to about 120 people. And I'm like, you guys gotta be serving how they're serving. Like you should see what they're doing in, in Athens, Texas at Sand Springs Church. And it did, it stirred this hunger to serve our community at a higher measure than we have before. And so thank you, I'm, I'm honored to be here. Well, let me tell you real quickly a little bit about me. Um, my name is Garrett Payne. I've been married to my wife, Louisa, for 13 years. Got a picture up there. My oldest son, Talis, is 12, Parker's eight, and that's our dog named Angel. She does not behave like an angel. And uh, I'm honestly surprised I got to come back here. Last time we came, I brought the whole family and we brought Angel. And I was like, she'll be fine. We'll put her in uh, Pastor Eric's office and she'll be good. She'll, she'll stay in her little carrier. And she broke out and I don't know what all she did in his office. But I know she found markers because her face was black when we got her out. So thank you for forgiveness and bringing me back, Pastor Eric, and I'm honored to be here. This morning, you guys, we're going to be in two places. We're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 17, and then we will be in Mark chapter 16. So if you brought your Bible, go ahead and go that direction. Just leave a marker in Mark 16. We'll be there a little bit later on. Now this morning, I do want to speak to you guys about expectations. If we're not cautious in life, we can be so consumed with living up to the expectations that we've placed on ourselves or what others have placed on us that we get wrapped up in doing instead of being caught up in where the Father's going. In Psalm 32, it says, the eye of the Lord will guide you. But if we're so busy looking down or even looking ahead, living up to the expectations that have placed on us, we might miss the direction that the Father is wanting to put us in. And, and so this, I'm just so excited about it. I would say also that there are cultural expectations. Like being here in, in Athens, Texas, I think that you guys expect to have a church service on Sunday morning. That's not ridiculous, that's pretty common, right? You expect to have that. You expect to have a safe place to send your kids to. My youngest son, Parker, he expects me to have food ready as soon as he gets up. Does anybody here skip breakfast? Way more than uh, first service. First service people, man, they eat their breakfast. They're skipping it. Parker does not skip breakfast. In fact, he wakes up hungry. Like he wakes up ready. So we're leaving for California two months ago. And you know how it is when you fly, right? It's like five in the morning. And Parker, I don't know what he does when he sleeps, but he comes out looking like he got electrocuted every morning. Like he puts his head down, just rubs. He, so his hair's crazy. He's walking like a baby deer because he's at this point, he's 80% asleep, I'd say. And he stumbles in to the kitchen and says, Dad, Dad, I'm ready to eat now. He said, Parker, it's five in the morning. There's no way you're ready to eat, bud. But so often in life, our expectations are stemming from an experience. And because he had experience being fed when he wakes up, despite the hour, he wants a meal in that moment. And so my question is, did you show up? with an expectation for God to move in your life today. 
If you were hurt, I hope you came with an expecting heart for the God who heals to take care of it. Man, if your finances are down, I hope that you expected the provider to come through and bless your resources because we can be certain that if we bring the tithe to the local church, he will bless our finances, right? He always does. It's who he is. But I will say this because we have to be careful with that statement. We can't base our relationship with Jesus off of solely what we've experienced because maybe you haven't experienced the healing. Maybe you haven't experienced the prodigal returning. But just because you haven't experienced it doesn't mean we should stop expecting it to happen. If I solely base my relationship with the Father off what I've gone through, I will be missing an entire element of the joy of anticipating his power to move in a new way. When we look at the Bible, I think about Peter and he had never experienced walking on water because no one has. But when Jesus told him to walk, he expected a miracle. I think about the woman who had the issue of bleeding for 12 years and she had not yet experienced the healing. But when she saw Jesus walking, she just knew. If I could fight through the judgment of what the crowd might think and crawl on my hands and knees to touch the hinge of this man's robe, I know I'll be healed. And this morning we're going to be looking at two specific things. I wanna look at how our response to the power of God moving is often going to be different than what other people expected out of us. And also, what does God expect from us? Are there even any expectations out of our lives? Is this an appropriate question to ask? Because I think sometimes we function in this place of, well, isn't being a son or a daughter the only expectation? And I would ask you another question and say, well, doesn't a father expect a son to respond when they're spoken to? Or does a teacher expect a student to complete the assignment that they've been given? Before we get into that, I wanna look at something called inside expectations. If you're a note taker, you can write that down. An inside expectation is what those closest to you expect out of you. Sometimes the inside pressure from those closest to you, a best friend, a coach, a family member can become so overwhelming and so heavy that you yourself lose the perspective of looking up to the Father to get the direction because we're caught up in living up to what other people think you should be doing even our own selves, because I've been there where we place an expectation on ourselves. I'll share you guys a real funny story. Okay, so uh, um, I've been put in a position at our church where I'm functioning as the worship pastor. I don't sing, it's horrible. I can barely play guitar, I know. But God will often move in a way that other people don't expect. I look at Moses and Moses is terrified. And God says, throw that rod on the ground and it turns into a snake and God has him pick it up from the tail. Just showing us, I mean, you don't pick up a snake from the tail. You grab it by the head. God's showing him for my glory to move and my power to function. It's going to look different than how you expected it. I look at the life of Joseph and his father, Jacob. And Jacob's an old man at this point in his life and Joseph is bringing his children to him to be blessed. The right hand carries the anointing. And so Joseph places his eldest son in front of Jacob's right hand. And Jacob's blind and so he crosses his arms to bless the boys. What's he doing? He's showing the hand of God pours favor on who he wants, not on who man places. So here I am in this position as a worship pastor, not able to sing, not able to play an instrument. And I'm terrified because I am trying to live up to the expectation of what a worship pastor might look like. And it fails horribly. And finally, I tell my father, I don't know if I can keep going. Like, this is really killing me. And he says, I just need you to be who God made you. And so I step back. 
And I'm now functioning as a worship pastor who doesn't sing or play an instrument, but I now pastor the team that I've been put in charge of. And it's been amazing to see what God's done in this group. And so I want to tell you that maybe you're in a position that you think is not fitting to who you are, but maybe it's because God is trying to show you a new nature of his glory, that he's going to do something different, something new, something fresh in you today. Wherever you're at, God's got something for you. And so when I look at the Bible and I look at this word that I created called inside expectations, I don't think anyone experienced that pressure as much as David did. We know the story of David, right? He took out Goliath. We know that amazing story, but what led up to that moment required David to step outside of the box of expectancy his own family had put him in. So David is the youngest of Jesse's sons and David is the shepherd of the brothers. And so while the bros are fighting on the battlefield, David's back with the sheep in the pasture, just being obedient to what his father has called him to do until one day Jesse calls for David and we're gonna be right here in 1 Samuel 17, 17. Then Jesse said to his son, David, take now for your brothers an epa of this dried grain and these 10 loaves and run to your brothers at the camp and carry these 10 cheeses to the captain of their thousand and see how your brothers fare and bring back news of them. Okay, so David's instantly about to be liked. He's probably gonna make grilled cheese. Maybe there's some Hispanic warriors on the battlefield. Ay, que rico quesadillas. He's coming with food, bread, and cheese. He's going to make something good because those are two amazing ingredients. Man, I was speaking about food a lot. Can I tell you something? I can't travel with my dad very often. I gain so much weight. My dad eats like a crazy amount, right? It's insane. We all eat poorly because of his bad decision making, and he's in charge, so we're eating out all the time. When you're around people who are hungry, you find yourself eating more. I love coming here. I'm so hungry. I'm so hungry. I get into this environment and I see joy on the front door and I see excellence from your tech booth. And I see just complete passion for the presence of God to move from your worship team. You have a body who is hungry, who is engaged with the word of God. And here I am, Lord, I just wanna get back into it. I wanna eat all over again, it's, it's never ending. This is the lifestyle of a believer. I am completely thankful and satisfied with what God has done in me. Yet at the same time, I carry this hunger for the more that I know is available. Have we lost hunger? If you've lost hunger today, just tell God to stir it up. If you exercise, you burn some calories and it makes room for more food to be eaten, right? That's the best part. I'm just working out for ice cream, right? Maybe you need to exercise a bit to allow some more room for the King of Glory to consume you and fill you all over again. Okay, I went from quesadillas, I gotta get back to this. now. Saul and they, back to the scripture, 1 Samuel 17, 17. Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. And so David rose early in the morning, left the sheep with the keeper and took the things and went as Jesse had commanded. And he came to the camp as the army was going out to the fight and shouting for battle. What I love about this, David has left the peaceful pasture with the sheep who know his voice and he has walked into an environment of war where the men are yelling and shouting. But unknowingly to David and to the men he's walking into, they will soon respond to his voice much like the sheep have. And in this moment where the king of Israel who experiences more victory than anyone else is about to face the biggest enemy Israel has come against is expected to function as a DoorDash employee 
Just drop that food off to your brothers. Be a messenger and then run back home and let me know how they're doing. David was obedient to his father and he does what is asked. But then he begins to ask the men around him, and who is this Philistine? Why are you guys so afraid of him? And they begin to tell him who he is. And they also speak of the reward that's available to the one who kills him. Look, look at the response from David's brother. Now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men. And Eliab's anger was aroused against David. And he said, why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and the insolence of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. David's brother expects him to stay with the sheep, drop off the food, and go back to doing what we always told you to do, David. There is an inside pressure over his life to live within the identity that his own family had placed on him. The expectation is to do what we've always asked of you. The expectations from others, man, can, can feel crushing, can it? It might make you change your hair. It might make you switch schools. It could cause you to change degrees that you're enrolled in. If you allow the pressure from others to run your life, it will certainly run you. But the God of heaven just wants to guide you. Galatians 5.16 says the Holy Spirit will guide your life. He wants to guide you, walk alongside you, talk to you, be engaged with you. I fear that sometimes we get so caught up because there's this world out there that makes everyone think that everyone's doing something amazing. No, really, it's just their highlights of their life on social media. And so you're living up to expectations that are false, but God's ways are higher. His ways are better. For his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. But we can get so busy in our little world that we're not looking up to the big father to see exactly what he wants to do. And so my question is, what expectations have you been born into? I believe that even based upon what your last name is, there may be an expectation on your life to behave a certain type of way. Maybe your father owns a construction company, right? And so it's just expected and known it's what you're gonna do. Or your mom went to a college and so it's just this unknown thing that everybody understands. You're going to that college, but you step back and you think, but what about me? What are my aspirations? What are my dreams? And I say they're both wrong because you need to look to God and ask, why am I here? What was I created for? God, you made me with a specific calling. When my passions line up with his desires and my prayers move his heart and my worship brings me into his realm, then I'm living in my true identity. It's not what I want or what I expect others to, to think that I should be living as. It's God, where are you going? What are you doing? And I don't want to rush past this because I think this is very important. David was obedient to his father. Obedient. He was humble in his approach. David wasn't sitting on the couch being lazy. Man, my brothers are on the battlefield. I'm with the sheep all day. David wasn't scrolling on his phone, just wasting time. David wasn't meddling in other people's business. David did the best he could with what he had been trusted with. So often in life, I see people who want promotion and they want to have a voice and a platform, but you got to manage well the field that you're in for God to move you into another level. If I can't be trusted with a little bit, why would I be trusted with more? 
We look at the Bible, Jesus calls everyone who was doing the best they could with what they had. Peter was fishing. Matthew was in a tax collector's booth. In 1 Kings 19, 19, Elisha was just on his daddy's 12th plow of oxen on the 12th field when the prophet Elijah came and threw his cloak over him, marking him as the one to carry on the anointing of his life. The trajectory of his life was changed because his head was down plowing his dad's field, being obedient. If we fail to be obedient, then we're going to miss the opportunities for promotion. The gospel is out of obedience and surrender and love and joy. But I fear that if we get obedience out of alignment, we're going to miss out on so much. God loves you so much that he will keep you in a place until we learn these principles. Now in David's life, obedience brought an opportunity. And this opportunity has now stirred a conflict because you know there's going to be conflict involved when you step outside of the identity that other people have placed on you. We just saw it with his brother. There's conflict in the relationship. There's about to be a big conflict with Goliath. And even in victory, Saul is envious of the anointing that David carries. But when God calls, you got to go. Right? When God comes knocking, you know. And I love this because David's past experience in the pasture put him in a special position to know that the God of power was going to move out here in the public. Do we see this? David had a different perspective than every other guy out on the battlefield. David was different. He had been in the pasture and, and he tells Saul, I'm your guy to take this man out. And Saul says, you're too small. And David said, no, because I was alone in the field and I killed a lion and I killed a bear. And God was with me then, so he'll be here with me now. He did it before, he'll do it again. You're in your season for a reason. God placed you in a field for a purpose. It's developing a certain type of endurance within you that you can't get from a college education. You can't get it from a teacher or even a preacher. You've got to experience this on your own. God's got you there for a reason. Do not despise the small beginnings. Remember one of my good friends, his name is Chuck Swisher, and he's a professional bullfighter. And I had no idea he was famous because that's not my like, place where I'm at is the rodeo scene, right? And so, but then I found out, and uh, it's, it's crazy, and I was talking to him about it, and he's like, man, I really miss the days when I would drive to a place and no one knew who I was. And I would sleep in my car overnight just to have a chance to prove that I had what it takes to be out here. Yeah. Don't look ahead, because you're gonna miss the joy of the present. Life is passing you by, and God wants you to enjoy the laughter of your children in the meals that you're sharing, in the church that you're in, in every single minute of every single day. But if we're always looking ahead, we will miss the moments. David doesn't miss the moments. So he goes to Saul and Saul says, you're too small. And I wonder if a voice in his head reminded him of his dad that said, you're just a delivery boy. And I wonder if a thought of his brother saying, you're just a shepherd. But David pushes all these things aside to make his identity line up with who God called him to be and says, no, God called me for this moment. I was called for more. I was called for more. You were called for more. I think I came here for a reason to tell you that God had wanted who you are alive in 2022. You do realize that this is the hour of chaos and God wants you to partner with heaven to advance his kingdom. Man, you could have been alive in any generation based on where God wanted to place you, but for whatever reason, God wanted you here now. 
And so let's look to heaven and let's allow his eye to guide us and let's allow him to surround us with songs of victory to move forward so that the lost can be found, right? The darkness will be removed because the presence of light is overshining it. Man, this place is so amazing. I just love your church. I'll probably say like eight more times before I'm done. I love your church. There is so much excellence in this place. And it's not because you're striving for it. It's because God's anointing is on it. You don't got to work for it. But when God sees a group of believers who will lay it all down to pursue him, egos down, my, my, my ambitions laid down, God, your presence come. This is the environment for an outpouring of the spirit. And I know you've experienced it, but I firmly believe you're about to walk into a measure that no one in this area has witnessed. And it's going to become the norm in your house. Pastor Eric's leadership is something that I would get behind every single day and follow into any battle. The mantle on this family is strong and this house is amazing. And I'm so glad to be here despite my dog probably going to the bathroom in his office. <laughs> so David goes to Saul and he says, this armor doesn't fit, man, I've got to be me. And he goes to Goliath and he tells Goliath, you come to me with a spear and a javelin. He essentially says, you've got two weapons, but I've got a God in control of two armies. Because he says, I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. And we know David wins. David cuts off the head of the enemy. Victory is experienced because his expectation for God to move in power was stronger than the inside pressure from his brother. Man, when you start to feel stressed out because that voice on the outside gets so loud, you've got to let the voice within ring louder, right? Quiet the enemy. David quieted Goliath because he said, God is with me. God is with you. And if you manage well the field that you're in, then you're setting yourself up for promotion. Now we're going to be in Mark chapter 16. And I asked this question at the beginning, so this is what we're going to close with now is what does God expect from your life? And again, is this even an okay question to ask? So a little backdrop, Mark chapter 16, verse 14 is where we're going to start. And this is post-crucification. Jesus has defeated the powers of death. He has risen victoriously and he's appeared to Mary and a few others. But right now, Jesus is about to reveal himself to the 11. Check this out. Later, he appeared to the 11 as they sat at the table and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. So Jesus just shows up and rebukes him. Hey, nice to see you. Here's a rebuking for your unbelief. Like, what's wrong with you guys? I told you this was going to happen. But notice Jesus rebukes and then he equips. The shortcomings of the disciples never disqualified them for doing the work that God had called them to do. Your past failures do not dictate how your life is going to play out because God looks at you as someone who is worth dying for. Do we get this? God loves you so much. He loves you so much. And so let's keep going. He says, uh, real quick, I believe this next verse in which I'm about to read is denominationally wide accepted. This is, this is the common belief. And this is correct. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. This is it. This is it. This is the expectation of the believer. This is expected and it is accepted. 
What I mean is you're not gonna get persecuted where you guys live. If you tell somebody about Jesus, you're not, no one's gonna yell at you. Your life's not in danger, right? It's expected, but it's accepted. But what my fear is, is that we've maybe gotten to this place in culture where solid biblical doctrine is accepted, but not the power itself that can dismantle the enemy. And I've heard this message preached before and it stops at Mark 16, verse 16. And I'm like, but there's a verse 17 that follows that. And they're not separate from another. In fact, they're combined with a conjunction word of and. And so let's read this all together. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. If we believe Mark 16, 16, then we've got to believe Mark 16, 17. The signs that follow the commission are as equally as important as the commission itself. It is the signs that solidify the words in which you speak. This is the hour for the power of God to be released. God is looking at us as his children. And if you've ever seen a son work alongside his father, right? They walk in, and the dad's doing a project and they ask, hey, can I help? And the dad's like, honestly, it'd be easier if I did it by myself, but come on. And so he teaches them and shows them what to do. And then afterwards the kid goes, man, I did such a good job. And the dad's like, you did, you did amazing. God wants us to co-labor with heaven to advance his kingdom. Could he do it on his own? Absolutely. But for whatever reason, he looks at us and loves us at a measure that we can't even grasp. And he wants us to work with him, to bring more to him. All glory to the Father. Man, you can't argue an experience. You can't. Everyone's got an opinion, right? If you wanna do something that's impactful for the world, we'll do something other people aren't doing. Everyone's got an opinion, right? And honestly, if you got on YouTube, you might find someone who speaks better than I do and they're gonna have an argument against my words. And it's easy to be swayed by a world full of opinions, but a man with an opinion has nothing against a man with an experience. Because I once was this way, but now I'm different. Because if you knew who I was 10 years ago, I was full of anger, but now I've just got joy and I just wanna hug everybody. And if you only knew me 10 years ago, I wouldn't allow anyone to touch me because that's where I was broken and alone until God came in and filled me with joy and love and everything else. And so keep your opinion because I have an experience. And I think about the man whom Jesus healed who was blind and he went to the Pharisees and the Pharisees like, by what power or authority does Jesus have? And he says, I don't know. All I know is I was blind, but now I see. Do you wanna be his follower? Go talk to him, right? A man with an experience has everything over someone with an opinion. So what's your experience? What's your encounter? God is wanting to reveal himself at new levels to us as the bride of Christ. It's amazing, it's powerful. I think that we need to start receiving a little bit better because you can't release unless you've received. And in a culture that thinks you've got to work or strive to obtain, the kingdom of heaven is always going to function opposite to what the world is doing, right? And so a world says self-promote. What is social media? You're self-promoting yourself all the time. You don't need to self-promote. God will, God will establish. God will put you in positions. And if we're working and striving, then God just wants you simply to receive. It says in the Bible that the kingdom of heaven advances two ways. One, 
by receiving as a child, and two, through, through war, right? The kingdom of heaven is violently advancing. And sometimes we get caught up in the violently advancing and we miss the aspect of receiving as a child. The kingdom of heaven advances in both ways and you don't know which way God wants you in until you discover that that one's not working. If you've been in a place and you've been praying the prodigal return, Lord, bring him back. And you've been battling and warring or addiction, whatever you're praying for. If you've been going so hard and it's not happening, could it be? that God has this little boat for you and he wants you to relax in it and receive as a child again. That might be the hard, we're good at battling, we're good at warring, we know what to do. I think sometimes we don't know how to receive. Have you ever seen a kid at a birthday party get a present and they go, that's too much, that's too much. Absolutely not, man, they rip it open. They can barely wait to get it out of the box in that environment, they're so happy. Kids know how to receive. I don't care how old you are, God still looks at you as a son or a daughter. I remember my son, eight years old, Parker's a little wild. I think the younger kids usually are. Anyways, he agreed, yes. Parker's in trouble, just a normal kid. And he's in his room because he was being mean to Talis, his older brother, and his room was a mess, right? Well, he's cleaning his room and he finds this little paper on the ground in there that just said a bunch of scriptures. It was all the identities of Christ. like. It says, I am God's child. I am perfectly and wonderfully made. And it's just all these scriptures. And he's reading them. I'm like, oh, that's cute, you know? And so I walk back by 30 minutes later and he's still reading them out loud. I'm like, wow, man, he's really getting into it. So he's like, hey, can I get some paper? So I'm like, sure, sure, give him paper. He starts writing them down and he writes real slow because he's just learning to write, right? It's not very good. But he's writing down. He says, dad, it's full. And I look in this folder from top to bottom. He filled it up. He's written all in it. Can I get a journal? So we give him a journal. This has gone on for like an hour, over an hour now. He can't stop reading and declaring who Jesus says that he is. And I watch my eight-year-old son be transformed into this person that I just want to be around because the power of God is now on him in this moment. Because he's a child, he's able to receive easier than sometimes even me as a grown man. And so he comes in the living room and says, can I pray for you guys? Yeah, yeah, of course. This goes on, I'm saying, okay, buddy, it's time for bed now because he has school the next day. And I'm in the bathroom and he walks in and kind of scares me because you have kids, they just kind of creep up on you sometimes. Like you don't expect it. Whoa, you're right there. And he looks at me and he's like, I'm going to talk to Jesus tonight. I'm like, awesome, buddy, you're pray. Yeah, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk like Jesus, dad. I'm going to talk like Jesus. I'm like, what do you mean? Like your prayer language? He's like, yeah. And so he leaves and he comes back like literally seconds later. He's like, I can do it now. What? I walk in his room and the presence of God is so thick. I just have to sit on the floor and I sit there and I just cry for a little bit as he lays in his bed and sleeps and falls asleep, praying in tongues to the father. The kingdom of heaven wants to release more giftings and measures of love and anointing. But sometimes we just got to learn to receive it. This is the hour for the power of God to be released and it will not look like how we expected it to. It will come in different forms. And some of those ways is receiving as a child. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. God, that we don't have to have it all figured out, but we do have to surrender. And so Lord, right now, I just pray that every person in this place would begin to surrender as a child. Father, I just proclaim a a, a joy of a child over this place. Lord, fill us with the joy of childhood all over again. 
of laughter, of love, of, of things that people think are only reserved for children, God, you want for us right now. God, you want us to be reflectors of your glory. God, we gotta carry something that people long to have and that's you. And so if you're in this place right now and, and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, but you hear me speak about this man who's so amazing, who changed my life, who just wants you simply to receive that you don't have to work for his love. You don't have to work for his love. If you're here today and you want that and you wanna ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior for the first time, would you raise your hand? Awesome, right now, if, if you just wanna receive a, a new measure from the Father, just put your hands in a posture to receive. I share this with first service and Jesus describes to the woman at the well that if you knew who I was, you would ask for what I have. I am the well that never runs dry. But then he tells the disciples a little, little later on, I am the river of living water. And so we have experienced salvation, but the rivers of living water never run dry. It outpours from heaven into our environment. And God wants you to receive a new fresh pouring. I just see us right now, we're extending a cup to the Father for him to fill. But God can only pour into the cup that you've presented. And so maybe you're there right now and you've got a small cup. You've got a small cup, but God wants to give you fullness of joy. Would you allow you to become the cup today? You don't need to present anything but yourself. An open heart to receive all the goodness of the Father. Put your hands open to receive. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, fall. King of glory, fill every heart in this place with hands open to receive. If we're open to receive, we're able to release. And once we're able to release, we will watch captives set free. Holy Spirit, you are moving in this place. The city of Athens will be transformed. This entire territory will be known as an area that joy just spills out from you can't even drive through this place any longer without beginning to laugh as you come through this place because your presence is so strong here God father I bless this church I bless this ground Holy Spirit I thank you for the new building that they are getting God and all of the people that will be coming to this place Holy Spirit I just just thank you for all that you're doing Jesus we love you so much We're about to get into another worship song. And as we do, you guys, the altar will be open and you guys feel free to come up here and pray. Do whatever you need to do. God, we thank you for what you've done in this place. We love you so much. In your name I pray, amen.